Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux episode 205, all about Mark, recorded September 13th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroll, and joining me this week are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Mark and Seth. I hope everyone had a great week, because I did. And a big East Texas howdy to everyone, and Mark, I almost yelled, who put a question mark in the teleprompter? (laughs) (laughs) It it would have fit there. I've told you, if there's anything on there, he will read it. Um, <laughs> uh, I This show, uh, you know, we did us an All About Seth episode, an All About Chris episode. I promised you an All About Me episode. I didn't really want to do it, quite frankly, but you people kept nagging me. Apparently, you find me interesting. I don't get it. So we're going to, uh, Seth and Chris are going to interview me. So I am handing over the reins of the show to, well, eventually. to these two guys. Um, <laughs> yes. <it's laughs> a, but first, yeah, I'm I'm going to tell on us and say he knows we don't have anything planned and wants to see the whole Cowboy game. So <laughs> yes, my this is going to be one of the shortest shows in history because the Cowboys kick off in exactly 59 minutes, um, and I intend to be watching as much of that game as possible. I can't watch all of it because I'm old and have to go to sleep, uh, but uh, I will be watching as much of it as I can. It's called TiVo, my friend. Record it so you can catch it in the morning. I'm just not that big a fan to uh to watch to watch a recorded game i i'm plus you know with google now it's the first thing i do uh, when i wake up in the morning is check my mail and stuff well not the first thing but among the first things i do in the morning are check my mail and phone and stuff and it's going to be right there cowboys win 17 to 14 or whatever that's not a prediction that was just a, a random example so um yeah i i <laughs> I don't, I don't TiVo the games, but the, I'm working at a remote location that's a good hour and a half drive and I have to be there very early. So, uh, I, there's no way I can stay up to watch the whole game because I'm old and that's what old people do. They go to bed early. Oh, poor yep. old Mark. <laughs> I don't blame I, you though. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I did want to, uh, make passing mention of the fact that last week was, uh, uh, the 14th anniversary, anniversary is really a, a bad word, 14th <laughs> remembrance of the uh, attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. What many people do not know is that is that it actually has a name. It's Patriot Day. Uh, President Bush, uh, after that event, uh, called it a National Day of Service and Remembrance. It's not a federal holiday. Banks aren't closed, that sort of stuff, but it is a National Day of Remembrance, and it has a name. Patriots Day. So it's not entirely appropriate to say Happy Patriot Day, uh, but it is a day to remember uh, the fact that 14 years ago, the world changed. Uh, I don't think, whichever side of the debate you're on, nobody will argue with the fact that the world will never be the same after that day. Yeah, well, and just, you know, something that everyone sees all the time is the TSA or the airports. Yeah. airport security has definitely changed, and I don't think it's going to ever go back to what it was. Nope. I mean, I went to the local courthouse to do some, you know, just basic county business and uh, but got basically strip, strip searched, um, you know, went through a metal detector, had to pull all my stuff out. Um, and, you know, that would not have happened 15 years ago at, oh, the, no. at the local county courthouse. But welcome to our, our modern world. Yeah, it's 
crazy. But what else can you say? It was a bad day. Let's just hope we uh, don't have to ever repeat it. You know, it reminds me in many ways of that line uh, from the movie um, Apollo 13, where uh, Ed Harris gets to say, you know, everybody says this is the worst disaster uh, in the uh, the history of this American space program. And Ed Harris gets to say, on the contrary, sir, I believe it will be our finest hour. Uh, and that's, I think that's one of those cases. Yes, terrible things happened, but you saw humanity rise up um, in a way that really showed the best of us at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yep. And you got not only a new house, Chris, but something else new this week. Yeah, I did. So we've been, my wife and I have been talking about getting me a, a different car because I drive the commuter that I drive. And it's, you know, in southern Canada, we have pretty treacherous winter roads. So the little Kia Spectre 5 is a little squirrely on icy roads, to say the least. So we ended up going, uh, we've been test driving cars for about a month now. And I come home on Wednesday and I'm like, what the heck is in my driveway? Because I didn't recognize the car, didn't recognize anything. And I'm like, why is somebody in my driveway? So I come in the house expecting to see somebody. I'm like, my wife, Julia, where, whose car is that in the track, in the backyard, in the driveway? And she looks at me and flings something at me. And I'm like, what? And I grabbed it out of the air and looked at it with brand new. It's the new keys to the vehicles in the driveway. <laughs> so she got me a, a new, it's, a, it's not a new car, but it's a slightly used car that I now get to drive. Wherever. So I'm now a proud owner of a Subaru. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Subarus yeah. are good cars. Well, that's what I keep hearing. And everyone that I know that has a Subaru says, well, welcome to the 30 mile an hour or 30 miles per gallon club. And I'm like, well, I wasn't too far from that with the Kia 25. So yeah, 30 should be nice. Yeah. One, one, a friend of mine once gave me some advice. If you're going to buy a used car, go Japanese. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, Seems to be reasonable. Those those cars tend to be the best at you know ten years later. Um, I, exactly. I, early on in my marriage, I made you know I, you can't even call it a mistake. It was just boneheaded idiocy. Um, and I went. Uh, I had been looking for a new car. I'd gotten a new new job. I was a a young urban professional. I was a, a genuine yuppie, uh, and it was time to trade in my college car and get a new car. And so I'd been looking for new cars for, you know, for months doing research. My wife had gone with me. We'd been trying to decide what I was going to do. And, um, <clears throat> was this before the days of the, uh, spreadsheet? Uh, no, no, there was a spreadsheet. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> it just, it was before a Google Doc spreadsheet. Uh, oh, okay. And so I was, uh, one day after work, I went to a local dealership that I hadn't intended, that, that I hadn't, I wasn't planning to buy a car that day, but I went there and they made me a good deal that I, I felt was appropriate. And so I bought a car and got home and excitedly showed my wife my new car. And she reminded me that it was her birthday. And so I bought myself a new car on my wife's birthday. Whoopsie. Not, not by best moment. <laughs> you said, honey, I guess it I could have been worse. Mine, I meant yours. <laughs> yes. I was saying that as you. We, we are, we are one flesh. It's, it's your car too. Yeah, yeah what, um, what's you? What's yours is hers, and what's hers is hers, right? Something. Like that. <laughs> uh, so, note to young married men: don't do that. Uh, that yeah. was 
17 years ago, I still hear about that um, on a regular really? basis. Really? Yeah. Really? 17 years and she hasn't let it go yet? Huh. It's, not like, know, it's not like she gets up every morning and says, you bought a car on my birthday. But anytime the subject of husbandly insensitivity comes up, that's a prime oh. example that jumps right up there. Uh, well, yeah, okay. In that in that vein, I can understand. I, I have a couple that get brought up every time that topic is brought up. Um, so uh, October 2nd is a big day that I'm excited about, and so is Seth. The Martian comes to to theaters near you. And, and I'll yes, see two weeks Sometime later. in November. Yeah, it'll yeah be I'll see for it you. two weeks later. So, <laughs> Yeah. October the 2nd, 2016, it makes it to southern Canada. But yeah, I am so... I love... This is... I don't know. It's, I'm looking forward to this movie in a way I've not looked forward to a movie in a long, long time. So... It's got me, it's got my imagination hooked. I've gone through and watched the, like the trailers and the promos and stuff when the, that they did as, has the characters. I think it's going to be an awesome movie. I can't wait to see, see it. And on movies that I particularly really want to watch, I'll avoid trailers and anything to deal with it. Just on the simple fact that I feel like I've had my movie experience spoiled a couple of times. So I have person, made an effort not to watch any of them any martian footage at all well see they did this thing and it's like um they did just these little short snippet interviews of them at like he did this kind of you know for the for the elementary school class you know just little interviews of it's not stuff that was in the book and i don't think it'll be in the movie it's just kind of hey you know this is us on the uh aries which is the name of their ship and uh it's just kind of like a day in the life kind of thing so it just enough to kind of whet the appetite there yeah see i i would i wouldn't even watch any of that i'm gonna save it all and make it all as extras that i can watch later you know oh, I've, thanks okay. to people are people are really sensitive these days to spoilers uh but you know i'll remind you that when you went to see, I, I'm pretty certain, it certainly was the case for me, by the time I went to see Empire Strikes Back, I knew everything about that movie. I knew the plot line, <laughs> I knew the, the twists, I knew, I knew that, uh, that Vader was Luke's father, uh, because they, they, they used to t- tell those spoilers, you know, in the commercials and in the, the Burger King ads and, and my friends had yep. all told me about it, and it did not diminish the movie, the enjoyment of that movie to me. One bit at all. Maybe that's a difference between being young and being old and, you know, a, a young kid can watch the same thing over and over again, even if he knows exactly what's going to happen. And, and grownups are a little more, um, you know, uh, inured to that sort of thing. They, 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 they want the suspense one time. I don't know, but I, I think that we're a little, a lot too precious about spoilers in our society today. Yeah. Well, and it's not like it wasn't based extent. on a book. So if right. you've read the book, you know what's going to happen. So exactly, but I always like to see how the director spins it, or how if the actor has some add-ons that he puts into it. So I, I like to try and keep things a little up in the air for a movie. But the, you know, obviously, there's some things you just can't avoid. But I try. I at least give it an effort for some movies, not all, just some. And uh, you know, for for this movie. Since I've not only read the book but twice, um, the the only spoilers could be things where I would be disappointed, where they did something that wasn't in the movie, uh, it wasn't in the book. Uh, but really, it's going to be how many how many ways could the movie makers let me down? 
It's really what mm-hmm. it's going to be because they took a, you know, they're taking a, you know, 10, 12 hour reading experience and condensing it into a 90 minute to two hour uh, viewing experience. It's a different kind of storytelling. Uh, they can't put all the nuance in. It's just not possible. They will probably condense uh, some long narrative arcs into a single scene or even a one off sentence, you know. So for me, every spoiler in the movie is going to be about all the ways they disappointed me. Yeah. Well, let's hope it doesn't disappoint too much. Um, you yeah, know I hope so. When they are super true to the book, uh, you get, you know, 12 hour movies like The Hobbit, uh, which they weren't no. even true to the book in that one. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit yeah. is a bad example. Yeah, thank you for the. It's too late, Mark. The interwebs <laughs> yes, have already fired up their emails that you were wrong. <laughs> That's the all Hobbit. right. They're already commenting in the Zcast app that I encourage you to download at our site so that you can make comments right in the feed. While you're listening to the show. Um, Very cool. Very cool. Seth, I don't even, I don't have a lead in for this. You should not get a Kindle for some reason. Yes. Um, you know, this is, this is a tinfoil visor alert for everybody. Um, I just found this out today. Um, I was in the back booth production for church and the person sitting next to me, her husband has written a book and she was telling me that he was going over when pages were read in his book and like the where they came from and i'm like why would they track that somebody at 3 a.m read the first three chapters of your book that's just you know i mean it's not earth shattering you know i mean i guess there's certain books maybe you are reading this but i just like i don't want people to know when i read my books um and, you know i just privacy not security just privacy leave me alone you know i don't want you to be able to coordinate the uh the water pressure to my house and the pages consumed you would see a high overlap there well yeah it's and- like every every uh, uh couple of hours in 10 minute intervals you read one and a half pages at a time that's you're taking a dump reading so right. we, we know that <laughs> I, I just like it. I, you know, it never occurred to me that that information was being tracked. And of course, if he's getting the sanitized version, I know that Amazon on their massive, um, cloud infrastructure of service is probably tracking like, Oh, at this time, who moved the page up two centimeters? And that's just, you know, I'm a private guy. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, we we know my thoughts on this. You're being silly. Um, it's it's not it's not information that could hurt you in any way. But I no. understand that that you don't want the any information to leak out. I get it. Right. So you know, it's just and besides, it's just another reason. I I I have stated long and hard that I love the paper. Right. So. <laughs> well, then you'll enjoy your paperbacks and hardbacks. So I finished yep. the Seven Eves book that I've been talking about for the last couple of, of weeks. Um, on the end, uh, I, I kind of wish I hadn't read the third part. Um, I hate when I have books like that. Yeah. The first two parts I really enjoyed. Um, I needed, I needed a little bit of denouement at the end of the second one. Uh, and I would have been happy. The third one was fine. It was a fine book. It was, it was fine. Uh, but it wasn't as good as the first one. And it's, and it's just, it's totally what I like, right? I've said many times before, I like hard science sci-fi and I disdain fantasy. And this one took a hard turn into the world of fantasy. And so it was, it was a bait and switch. Two thirds of the book, uh, was hard science. Uh, and then you moved into fantasy 
uh, and it just lost me. And I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't read it. I'm just saying that for me, um, it was just okay. It, it made what was probably uh, an eight out of ten into a six and a half out of ten. Ooh, wow. That's- a steep drop, but for you and the fact that you don't like fantasy, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, I, it's not like I, I regretted it. I'm not demanding that Amazon give me my money back, which they'll do, by the way. Audible has a no return, uh, no, no questions asked return policy. You don't like it. They give you your money back or your credit back. Just a little plug there. Elmanoka.com slash audible. Uh, so let's go. move on to some listener feedback. I cleaned out some, it's like, like almost everybody, uh, the farther something gets down in my inbox, the less attention I pay to it. So it's a first in, last uh, first out thing, or la- uh, uh, last in, first out thing. As as stuff comes into the top, I read it, I respond to it. So I, I'm sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel on this, not in terms of quality, but in terms of, of uh, time. Some of these are a couple of months old now, and that's just because as new things came in, I paid attention to them. So I apologize to all of you in advance for making you wait months to hear me reply to your message. And if you hear a response to something that happened in June, well, that's why. Uh, <laughs> so starting up with Mr. Crash, who missed us while we were gone for the month of July. says, okay, from now on, you have to record fill-in shows while you're away. I don't care if they're canned <laughs> messages or not. Seriously glad you guys are back. While you're away, I went through all your episodes and enjoyed them all. Wow. I know you guys hate them, but they're very Oof. entertaining. I listen to you guys at work uh, uh at work at night along with other podcasts and the one thing i love about your podcast is the fact that it isn't an ad fest or a know-it-all show you guys are what most of us would picture doing if friends got together to discuss current events which is refreshing uh oh chris sounds like me when i was when i went from windows 3.11 to windows 95 when he whines about every distro that isn't fedora it's the exact same argument and as for the command line i agree because typing run under cmd and then cd and then cd file zone and then typing c colon backslash pkn zip space c colon backslash file zone backslash mp3 dot zip space c colon backslash file zone slash music was so much funner than right clicking the file and selecting uh extract here <laughs> rolls eyes tell him let it go seth is right on this subject okay off to listen to episode 200 i don't want to let it go <laughs> because then i'd be that stupid song that's always in my head when i hear those words Darn you, daughter. <laughs> uh, you know, um, even even in the days when I was doing command line stuff, I wouldn't have done all of that. I would have used macros and, and uh, mm-hmm. key extenders for all that. But point taken. Um, there's a reason nobody uses the command line anymore. We've moved up beyond it. And there's the same reason people don't live in caves anymore. We've moved right. beyond it. But there are some things the command line is better. Some things. Oh, yeah. only if Small. it's a poorly designed OS. Well, but that's every OS at this point. But yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I mean, look at Windows 10. <laughs> point taken. Uh, there's It's several years old now, but do a, a YouTube search for Every OS Sucks. Um, uh-huh. And there's, it's a great a little song that uh, some guys wrote. Uh, um, I think it was back in the Windows 95 days. It's old, but all the truths still hold that every oh, yeah. OS sucks. That's because they all do. Until we don't have to interface with it at all and it can read our minds, every OS will suck. Yeah. But then we'll have sentient computers, and I don't know if that's any better. They don't have to be sentient. They just have to be good enough that we don't know the difference. 
Yeah, but yeah, that's can, still sc- can we go back to the part where he said Seth is right on this subject? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that. That's all I had that's to contribute. The whole thing. You just wanted to yeah. point out that Seth was in fact right. Yep. Okay, moving on. Steven says there's not enough bacon. I'm in serious withdrawal here, guys. Mark, in past episodes, you've discussed smoking meat, making bacon, cooking a Thanksgiving turkey, making a fancy version of cold-pressed coffee. You mentioned that you were uh, reading or listening to a book on the physics of food. You must have learned something in that book that you could share with us. I think you should continue the thread of sharing the geeky side of food with your listeners. This based on the theory that a good host shares part of his personality and gives us listeners the idea that we know who we are listening to. Rush Limbaugh believes that when you share your own passions, you will always make it interesting because your enthusiasm will be catching. Anyway, I think this is part of every the Everyday Linux show that you are letting lapse. So, okay, Stephen. Okay. Um, I'll tell you about what I did this weekend. I made... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we should save that for the main part of the show. Well, I'll, I'll it tease is... it. Okay. I made my own, um, not granola bars, but um, nut bars. Um, and I'll tell you why a little later. Why it was a nut bar and not a granola bar. Pig Marketeers. There you go. And Lou comments on Boutique Hardware. Hello, Element OP crew. I hope you're having a great holiday season. This is Lou Goon coming to you live from the DM, uh, DMV, D, DMV, Washington, D.C., uh, Northern Virginia, and Maryland. I'm also a Patreon supporter of the show. Thank you for that, Sweet. Lou. I'm writing about a show topic that interests me greatly and that you discussed on a previous show. You talked about the lack of Linux boutique hardware companies such as System76, Zareason, and Dell. Yeah. Dell, and why this, this market is not prevalent for consumers. You all mentioned the, the key thing, price, market support, and even design, which I thought were great points. For brevity, I will touch on two of them. About price. I waited till after Black Friday 2014 and watched Amazon, Best Buy, Newegg, Dell, Micro Center, and Apple using Apple's 13-inch MacBook Pro as the standard. I wanted to see what was the cheapest Intel-based 13- and 15-inch laptops. If I recall your estimate for such a laptop, should have been around $300. Noting that MacBooks generally use an Intel Core i5 and i7 processors and really fast memory, the cheapest Windows-based laptop was a Celeron-based laptop for around 330 Interesting enough, the 15-inch laptops with an Intel Core i5 were starting at 430 Oddly enough, when it comes to Linux-based laptops, their counterparts started at $750 and ultimately still have Apple at the high end of the $1,000 market, even for refurbished products. The price uh, point here is that Linux products, excuse me, the price point here is that Linux products do not show a consumer value even when compared to popular Windows-based systems, and for the amount of money you potentially could spend on a boutique Linux system, you might as well buy Apple, again, in my humble opinion. Second, design. Laptop and computer design is very popular thanks to design innovations from Apple. At one point, Dell, IBM, Sony, Asus, and Samsung had specialty products that were innovative in design standards, such as thin uh, thinness, battery life, weight, and hardware features such as graphic subsystems. Of all the boutique uh, Linux companies, only Dell had a very appealing Linux da- desktop, the XPS 13 Developer Edition. However, no 15-inch model running Ubuntu. And I almost gagged at the mediocre design of a System 76's 15-inch laptops and Zyreason Ultra Lap and Strata laptops. 
I get it. Companies like System76 and Zyreason don't have research and marketing capital like Dell and Apple to make great equipment. Design and price is why I think Linux cannot be the consumer OS competitor to Windows and Mac OS X10. Of course, uh, there are others uh, we can go into. But the twist here is that Linux is based on the run of run on commodity hardware principle, not the next generation or innovative technologies that challenge uh, to change that. The challenge to change that philosophy is great. Philosophy. Uh, wow. Let me try that again. But the twist here is that Linux is based on the run on com- commodity hardware principle and not the next generation or innovative technologies. And the challenge to change that philosophy is great. One last note about renaming the show. I think the show is adequately named because at some point, someone in the Element OB audience is using Linux every day. Someone in the Element OB audience is learning about life in the context of Linux and even technology. Your show brings value to the open source community and it's rely- and it's relatable to its patterns. Uh, and this year, I think you've had more guests on than ever before. You have also had more women on the show than ever before. And I think it's the first time that Seth got interviews from LinuxCon. I understand you guys get burned out from doing the show, and you should take a break and maybe only promise 45 episodes a year. Maybe then you can participate in some cons. I think that would be great to have you guys at a conference on a panel discussion, too. Please keep up the good work. More to come from Lugoon. I'm not a gray beard, but I am a goatee. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Cool. So I wonder if he's a gray goatee, then, since he's not a gray beard. He will be. I think he's, he's yeah. He's like a gray beard in training. So, um, <laughs> so, so if you, you talk, you touched ahead, on things there that that we've talked about a number of times before. Um, but uh, renaming the show, um, it's it's something that's going to happen. Uh, I feel very strongly that what we're doing right now is disingenuous to the new listener. Uh, you guys who hang out with us, you know us, right? And and you wouldn't care what we name the show. We could name it, you know, armpit peach hair, and you would you would still listen oh, God, to the show. No. Um, but uh, new listeners searching through, you know, whatever category they are, we if you search Linux in some of the podcast directories, we come up as like number one or number two. And these people presumably were looking for a Linux show, and this show started out as a Linux show, but it has not been that for quite some time. No, we've turned into a general tech show, basically. Right. And and not even tech, right? We talk about all sorts of things. It's a tech bent because we're all geeks, right? Yep. But it's not really a geek life show either. It's hard to describe what this show really is. Uh, but, it, but one thing's for sure, it's not a Linux show. Uh, so what I think is happening is that people are passing over us in whatever di- directory because it has Linux in the title and they're not interested in Linux. Uh, so they're like, oh, I don't care about that. It's going to be over my head. It's not, you know. And if you read the description, we make it very clear that you know it says this the Linux show that's not about Linux. But a lot of people won't ever get that far. They'll just be scanning the title, see every Linux, and keep going. Where if they saw something like you know Geektastic Guys times three, uh, they might pay attention to that. Um, and then then the other side to that is the really hardcore Linux guy who thinks they're getting a, a real Linux show and they're not we're doing a disservice to them too. So I don't want to change the show. I just want to change what we name the show. And my right now, the, the top thing that I'm thinking of is simply calling it the everyday life podcast. You keep the EDL and you, you, it is what this show is about. So I, I'm not sure we're still talking about it. We're still discussing it, but, but I'm pretty sure 90 plus percent sure that January 1st, 2016 
this show will have a different name. Same feed, same hosts, probably even the same penguin wearing a, a business suit logo, just a different name. So you you tell me what you think about that, Lou and others, uh, because as I've said so many times before, we do this show for you. So if you think that's a terrible idea, let me know. But yes, that's what I'm definitely. waiting for right now. I, I think we should definitely poll our audience. I mean, do, is well, the I've audience been doing that okay? for two years and nobody's responded except Lou. Well, that's why I'm pining for some more feedback. I'm hoping that eventually, if I go pseudo, send us some feedback that maybe we'll get something about the show name. User is not in the pseudoers file. I'm sorry. It just just popped up there. Yes, your beloved fedora made sure of that, Chris. (laughs) Fine. Sue. (laughs) How's that? I bet better. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'll go Sue for bang, a walk. bang. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we'll get to some news a little later on, but now uh, I think I have to move straight into this to an ad. Otherwise, we'll never get one done. Um, and I will tell you about uh, some new, uh, uh, ho- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? New supporters to the show, uh, DigitalOcean. I'm really excited to have these guys on board because I believe in their product and I believe in the the company based on my experiences with them. They're, they're not just regular shared hosting that you're going to get at some other company. They're true, uh, your own servers in the cloud, uh, that you get to do whatever you want to with. Have you ever tried to do something on your shared host and they couldn't, wanted to install a software and they didn't have the right version of PHP and there's nothing you could do about it? DigitalOcean gives you your server to do with as you please. It's a virtual, uh, hosted, uh, machine running on KVM. So it's near bare metal performance. They're high-quality hex-core machines with dedicated ECC RAM, and everything about it is SSD, so it's lightning fast. Every machine gets a full gigabit access to the Internet, um, so that there's no slowdown there. Um, and you get all kinds of one-click in, uh, installations of Drupal, OwnCloud, WordPress, uh, whatever you want. There's probably one up there. And if not, you can just spin up your own Fedora and do whatever you want. It's your server. Do what you want to with it. And their prices are quite competitive too. You could get started as for as cheap as five dollars a month for a single core processor with five hundred and twelve gigs of RAM and a terabyte of data. Uh, so for a small project website, five bucks a month, that's perfect. You're, you're, yeah. And you get and it, again, it's yours to do with as you please. The one that most people are going to do is the ten or twenty dollar a month plan, where you get either a gig of RAM and a and a one core processor for ten uh, for ten dollars a month, or two gigs of RAM and a two core processor for twenty dollars a month. But um, OwnCloud is so confident in their product that if you use the uh, code Everyday Linux when you sign up, you get a ten dollar credit. So they'll put ten dollars in your account, and you can get two months of the basic one, or a free month of the the next one, or half off whatever. Whatever you want to do, it's just ten bucks yours to do as you please. So there's no risk here. There's no risk. Uh, you sign up. Uh, you do have to give them a credit card when you sign up, but you can change it immediately. So you get your five dollar, your ten dollar credit, and then you can deactivate the credit card or change it to to something else, uh, and and then you've got ten dollars to spend. And they're very clear about how much you're spending as you as you log into your account. You can see how much data you're getting, how much time, how many uh, uh, minutes of uptime, and and they tell you that it's costing you X amount per month. Or at the, at to this point, so check them out. Uh, I, you won't be disappointed if you if you know how to set up your own server and you're interested in setting up your own server. Maybe maybe you're a developer wanting to run your own backend uh, on something. They have their own API built straight up for it, so you don't have to log into the server and do things there. They have an API system where you can call straight to their 
servers. Um, if you're a server guy, if you if you need more than shared hosting, but you're not ready to go to a data center and buy Big Iron, DigitalOcean is right there for you. Their performance can't be beat, and and there's no risk to try it. So check them out, DigitalOcean, and use the the sign up code Everyday Linux. This, you can't go any better than that. Um, a plus. <laughs> And and they're we're not by any means the first podcast to be advertised uh, advertising for them. They they are known quantity, um, and they yes. are known as being among the best uh, in their tier. So yeah, guys, they, and they are. I am at your disposal. What would you like to ask me, Seth? I'll let you take the first one because the ones I all the questions I have would be later. It would be either redundant questions that you know we've already. You know the the how many wife your wife how many kids blah blah how many blah wives? how many wives yeah there we I go I currently have four wives <laughs> whoa um, <laughs> they're sister wives man I mean, you're in the wrong state for that yeah. I was born at a very young age <laughs> so I yes, guess you uh, hey no okay I have a question for you Mark okay you seem to be this the the technology uber professional type person so why don't you just take a minute and give us how did you develop your love of computers and technology you didn't just pop out of the womb saying give me a computer and let me go somewhere along the way something happened so share that with your the the world wants to know oh that's a really great question seth so i i have i've always been an engineer at heart you can't leave me in the room alone with something you love because i will take it apart um, and I've always been, it's not enough for me to know that something works. I need to know how it works. And I come from a line of inquisitive people. The, I, I didn't really have a lot of male role models in my life. My, my father wasn't in my life. My grandfather died when I was in middle school, but my early memories of my grandfather was he was one of those guys who could do anything other than the one he was born in. He built every house he ever lived in. Uh, and built wow. it from the ground up, like uh, laid the foundation himself. He uh, rented a concrete mixer and poured the foundation. He did the plumbing. He built the frame. He put the roof on. He did the electrical wiring. Uh, he put the shingles on. Um, he was that kind of guy. And so I got the bug probably genetically from being related to him, but also from just watching him. There was He, he didn't solve problems by purchasing something. He solved problems by building something. And so I learned from him the 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 user the the maker mentality. I've never been one to just be content to be a user. I'm a maker. Um, ironically, he hated computers. He hated wow. all things electronic. Uh, he used to say those those video machines will rot your brain. Um, he was he was never one to adopt the new. In fact, he didn't get a color television until like eighty seven. Uh, because he just couldn't, he, he had remembered some of the early color, uh, television units and they were crap. And so he just assumed he, in his mind, he associated color television with garbage. And so, um, he was that kind of guy. He was, he was, you know, closed minded in that way. I, I assume I get that from him as well. Um, but your poor um, wife, I, I, uh, got my first, uh, computer, uh, was a, uh, a TRS, uh, 80 color computer model one. Uh, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, uh, and my mom, uh, you know, she couldn't afford it, but she bought it anyway. Um, I learned to, to program in GW basic using that, uh, it had a tape drive, right. And I, and I learned how to, how to, how to make stuff go. 
Uh, and that's that's where I got into technology. But in terms of, of taking things apart and being uh, an engineer mind, that I really was. I did come out of the womb with that. And, and I just watched people. I've always been a, an observer. And generally speaking, if I can see something done once, I can do it. I can replicate it a second time. So I spend a lot of my time still today just watching how things are done. Um, and so I've, I, I, I don't have a degree in computer science. I don't have, um, uh, a degree in engineering. I, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I have a bachelor of science in, 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 uh, psychology and counseling. Uh, so none of the stuff I do for a living am I actually qualified to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of self starters. You know, a lot of the people that I know that are technologically in, inclined, they didn't, they didn't actually study to do that. Um, so that, that brings me up a question. How did you get your first tech job then? Uh, well, uh, I started, you know, in, you can't do this anymore, but because of the time when I grew up, uh, every, the computer was a mystery box to everybody. So it didn't matter if you were nine or 90, if you could, if you weren't afraid of them, you were considered an expert. So, I started hacking around with these things, and I grew up very poor. I didn't have much at all uh, in terms of my own stuff, but computer science was coming into school, uh, and they started teaching that as a class, and, and I would stay. Um, in fact, they, they eventually gave me a key to the school so that I could get there early and stay late and work on computers, um, and I would be there. Uh, your prototypical pasty-faced geek, um, I, would, I would get there at 6 in the morning and code for a couple of hours and then go to class. And then as soon as school was out, you know, at four o'clock, I'd go back to the, the computer lab and stay there till eight or nine and go home because I, 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 I loved the, the art of taking nothing that computer programming, uh, particular is literally the only place I know where you can take nothing and make something. If you're building, you have to have raw materials. If you're baking, you have to have ingredients. If you're, you know, but computing, there's nothing. There's a blank screen in front of you and you start making stuff. Uh, so that always fascinated me. So I became known as the guy who knows about these things among my friends. Uh, and uh, all through college, uh, I would just, I was just that guy. And when I got out of college, I opened my own, uh, computer business. It was called Shade Tree Computers and the idea of a shade tree mechanic. I didn't know anything, uh, uh, school wise, but I knew how to do stuff. So I had a small business. And from that, it led to the job that I had for 15 years at a school district. Um, somebody who I had done some work for recommended me to somebody else. I did some work for them. They recommended me the school. I did some work from them and then I was hired. So that's how that came to be. And then I did that, building my skills all along the way. You know, I, I walked into the interview, and the guy was like, do you know how to do all this stuff? Yeah. And that was the interview. You know, um, they, <laughs> they didn't know anything. They had, one com they had three computer labs, uh, maybe two, uh, running Apple IIs. And by lab, they meant it was like five Apple IIs that were non-networked. They had one campus that was connected to the Internet via at least T1. And it only went to the the computers, like the 10 computers in that one lab, not anywhere else. So they didn't know anything either. And so I got to to learn all these skills, building them up. And, and over the course of time there, we became known as sort of one of the elite schools in the state of Texas. Uh, not because I don't I don't say that because I did it, but because I was given a free hand and nobody around me knew enough to tell me I couldn't do it. Sure. Well, that's cool. I mean, that sounds very similar to to my in my, my intro to machines, so in the computers and such, so it's interesting. 
It is very interesting. So why don't you uh, take a minute? I know some of them have came out, but um, take a minute and talk about the guy who kind of left high school and started his ride in the world. Because, uh, you know, for people who don't know, I I saw Mark on stage at freshman orientation where he was butt man, but uh, we met at the BSU and we've been like friends ever since. Golly, that's like 25 years ago. Yes. So I, I've known him most of my life. So, so and we knew minute. of each other in high school because we right. traveled in the same UIL circles. And so right. I, I, I recognized you and you recognized me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we were we were. You know, band in high school is its own little subculture, and you always go and talk to the other band in third quarter because you could get third quarter off because you did halftime. And, uh, and so, yeah, we <laughs> kind of knew each other. So, so tell me how, tell me a little bit about the, the band nerd, uh, from high school and what he did in college. Well, to go back a little before that, I, you know, I, I've already alluded to the fact that I was very uh, poor. And I didn't have uh, a father and my mother did the best she could, but, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have much in life. And so, uh, I am the first in my family, um, like ever from as far back as we could trace our family line to go to college. Um, that's awesome. It's just, we, we were, you know, we were white trash sharecroppers. Uh, that's, that's where our family came from. And so wow. we didn't have anything. Uh, and I learned early on that if I was ever going to have anything, it was going to, it was up to me to make it, to make it happen. That combined with my natural, uh, propensity to just learn things. And, and I'm a sponge for information. I still am. One of my, one of my favorite pastimes, as big a geek as I am, uh, today, as busy as my life is, is to pick a topic I don't know anything about and become an expert in it. You know, and I've talked about the coffee, right? It was just, that was the thing I did. I've spent uh, two and a half years, uh, learning to be an expert in that. Um, there are other things that I will, I will pick. You know, Linux was one of those things I decided to be an expert in. Uh, so that's the, that's the guy I was. Uh, early on, uh, I was always, I always grew up, um, uh, in a religious family. Uh, I took that religion and turned it into faith at some point, uh, in my life. And so, uh, the BSU that Seth was talking about is the Baptist Student Union. Uh, where we met. So my faith and my um, insatiable need to always be doing more sort of came together uh, in college where I had, you know, I had the freedom to do things for the first. First, I got there on scholarships um, because no, nobody was there to pay my way for anything. Nobody, my family didn't have that kind of money. So I had, uh, uh, not, I had turned down scholarships at other schools and I had, I had, you know, it was really one of those things. It sounds so much like I'm bragging, and I, and I hate that, uh, but it, it is. I mean, I was given full ride scholarships at a couple of places, and I actually chose the school that didn't offer me a full ride scholarship because it put a chip on my shoulder. I will prove to you that I am worth that scholarship you didn't offer me. Oh, so, okay, I, not a smart decision, but an emotional decision. So I turned down uh, just you know four years room and board and tuition. Uh, and went to a school that offered me, you know, a couple thousand dollars, but I did have uh, free room and board uh, there. So I, I had to make my own tuition. I had buy, to buy my own books. Uh, so I went there and I did like so many people do. I got to college where I had utter freedom to, to do whatever I wanted. And what I didn't want to do was go to class. So I, I lost that scholarship the, the second semester of my freshman year. Um, yeah. Get over to that. Yes. 
So uh, I was then truly on my own. Um, we, I, my my family life was not Ozzy and Harriet in any way. Going back home wasn't an option. So I was literally homeless when they threw me out of the dorms. Um, so I spent a couple of years couch surfing um, until I could, uh, well, not years, a couple of months couch surfing until I could find enough money, uh, you know, at a part-time job or whatever to, uh, to rent a, a dump of an apartment. And there were a couple of times, even then, that I had to go back to the to my friends' couches because I couldn't afford the rent. So, you know, o- over the course of my life, you know, homeless makes it sound like I was, you know, living in a in a uh, gutter eating uh, trash. No, I just didn't have a home. I was dependent on somebody else, and I was fortunate enough that God put people in my life that let me, um, you know, live on their couches and in their spare rooms for a while. Uh, so I worked through my way through college. I, I did things really the hard way, right? If I had kept my scholarship, things would have been easy. But because I was stupid and and pissed away my scholarship, I had to do everything the hard way. And I think that made me a better person, uh, but it certainly didn't make anything easy. Uh, at one point, I was working four separate jobs, all part-time jobs, and taking 15 hours of classes in college, which means I slept every third weekend. Um, I don't recommend that, but it, but it's what I had to do. And I was living on bologna and ramen noodles. Um, but it taught me the value of work. It taught me humility. Uh, it taught me to, uh, to not be, not assume everything is going to be handed to me. Uh, because even when things were handed to me, I f- chose to fritter them away. And, and I learned really hard there that the, that your choices have consequences and, and you know and it's one of the things we've talked about on the show many times where i have this you know suck it up mentality you break the law you deserve the punishment for it. it it comes out of that out of my own life where i got what i deserved um mm-hmm. and i and because because i was an idiot i paid the price that idiots pay so that's you know those were my college years i worked i, I worked my way out of that i got a job working for a, a small elevator company in in the town uh, where I worked um, doing um, first just assembly line work. And then I worked my way up through there to testing work. And then I got into this thing called the TEDS, Total Elevator Diagnostic System, which was based on the screaming fast, top of the line 386SX processor. Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, and so that was my first uh, foray into um, the computing world and doing it, quote unquote, professionally. Cool. So... Out of your, you know, vast knowledge of things, which would you rather be in, hardware or software? Uh, neither. I like to do networking. Um, I like to make things talk, which is both a combination of hardware and software. Um, I'm not a coder anymore. I used to be. C- consider myself a coder. I can I can put things together in PHP and a little bit of Java and some. Uh, my basic skills are still rocking. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm no longer a software guy. I, you just can't say that anymore. Right. But my real, my real fascination has always been with, with communication with, and communication is, is such a misunderstood term in order for you and me to communicate. I can't talk. And, and that's not communication. Just me talking. You just listening isn't communication. You just listening to me talk isn't communication, but me conveying a thought from my mind to yours is communication. And however we do that, whether it's through the words we say, the words we don't say, the, the, the language, communication is so much more than talking. 
And when I see machines communicating, it's the same way. There's so much more than just a bit going over. Uh, there's the software, there's the hardware, there's all of that. So that's my thing. That's what I really enjoy. Being in that loud server room wearing a parka because it's 20 degrees, that's what gets my juices flowing. Interesting. Of course, I don't know if a parka would be allowed in my, up here in my area, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I I used to go into the server room to cool off because it was the only cool place uh, mm-hmm. around. And now you know how I feel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. What else could we ask, Mark? Um, so you have this desire to learn. What are other things that you haven't told us bef- that that you have learned about? You've become a, a so called master in, but besides the coffee and. Uh, a smoker. What else? What else have you created out of nothing? I, I'm a pretty fair cook. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not great at anything, right? So I use I didn't use the word master. I use the word expert. Expert is defined as somebody who knows more than the average. Sure. Right. And so uh, I'm I I've done some woodworking. Um, uh, built furniture. Uh, welder. I'm I'm a I'm a you know, not an inconsequential welder. Uh, my 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 mom's sister's husband and his family. So my uncle and his family uh, owned a tool and die business for a long time, and I watched enough there to understand the process. I can't run those machines, but I understand the process of manufacturing in a way that that most people don't. Um, I've become. Uh, I have pursued my faith. Uh, fairly ravenously, I'm. I'm. I, I, I. Everything I say sounds like bragging, and that's why I keep stopping myself. I'm. I'm pretty close to being an Old Testament scholar. You know, I'm not going to hold my own with the the professors who do that for a living. But I'm. I know more than than the average person about the history and culture of of ancient Israel and and the the Old Testament. Um, there there are just lots of things. Uh, there there. There literally is nothing I'm not interested in. There's no person that I can't learn from. Uh, I sat one day for an hour and watched garbage men go up and down the street and do their work and was fascinated. There was a dance to what they did. They had worked together so well for so long. uh, The way that guy drove that behemoth of a truck and backed it into spaces at speed because, you know, they got to get their route done. And he's flying faster than I'm comfortable driving down that driveway forward. He's doing it backwards, driving a three-ton truck, while this other guy is standing behind him, knowing, putting faith in his uh, coworker that he's not going to run him over. Um, so I can just watch the dance like that. I, when I'm stuck behind a roadwork crew, uh, I don't consider that lost time. That's fascinating to watch those guys work and to watch the machines do their thing. Uh, the, the, the intricate, uh, ballet of laying asphalt and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there's, there's just nothing that I find boring, really. I, I find, um, beauty everywhere I look. I find something to learn from everyone I talk to. Hmm. Cool. So I don't think you've talked about it much, but why don't you share, um, I don't know if people knew this about you, but you used to be involved in a band. You didn't play, but you kind of um, did some other things. So why don't you share about that? Because that it was an interesting time, and it was so, fun. So 
in in the you know I played the saxophone in the the concert band the marching band right uh, so music was my interest I I met some guys in college who wanted to do a rock band. And I didn't play the guitar or anything like that, uh, but I did have a pretty good ear uh, and an interest in the the machinery of it. So I became their sound man. So this group that Seth is talking about was together, you know, for like six years in college. No, nobody you'd ever heard of. Just a you know a, a college weekend band. Um, and we over time amassed a pretty good sound system that I even we would rent out to other bands to make money and, and I would go with them. And so I was, you could call me a professional sound mixer, uh, because I got paid to do it. Um, I've done, uh, I have an interest in recording. And in fact, it was that interest in music and recording that got me into podcasting. The, 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 the recording, the microphones and the, the digital tracks and all of that sort of stuff harken back to those days. Uh, but since then, I've also become a bass player. I play the bass guitar. Um, I've been in, in several bands from metal to country to punk. Uh, to praise and worship at church, uh, and I, I play the the bass guitar, and I really enjoy it. Uh, unfortunately, it's not an instrument you can get out and strum around the campfire and sing kumbaya. You kind of have to have a band if you're a bass <laughs> guitar player. Um, and that came to, at church. Um, the 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 worship band at the the college worship needed a bass player, and a guy said, "I've got a bass here. Take this home and learn to play it. We're we're meeting next Tuesday." So I did, um, and so. You know, I became a bass player in a week. Not a good one, but over the next 10 years, I became a pretty good bass player. Sure. Um, sure. And then, you know, I, I haven't done that much in a while. The, the bass still sits in my in my living room. I look at it every day, but I haven't played it in a long time. That season is, you know, is, is not really gone. It's just not right now. I'm doing other things. So I'm a musician. I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, some, some of the scholarships I got uh, for college were for essay writing. Um, I have started and never finished several books. Um, I, I had a, a blog for a long time. You know, uh, I consider some of the content I do in this show to be the same as writing. So, um, those those are different things that that I enjoy doing. So, okay, that that that, that makes me want to f- go down another another path. So, how many books and what type of books have you started and never finished? Well, I started uh, a uh, my first book was called The Rules, and it was it combined my love of watching people with my love of writing, and I began writing a book of the unwritten rules and um, that Americans all know, but nobody teaches them. Um, and for example, if you're a man and you're in a uh, public restroom, you're not allowed to speak. Um, and the guy who does speak, everybody in the in the restroom looks at him like that you didn't get the message. You don't speak. You, and, you know, um, when you're when you're in traffic, right there, you're, you're kind of there with your team. Um, and when you get off and you stop to, to get gas, your team goes on. And when you get back on, there's your team again. And you you learn these people and there's you, you know, when when to when to uh, swerve and when not to when to use a blinker and when it's not appropriate to use a blinker. There, there's all kinds of rules, rules that uh, at, a, at a cemetery, at a, at a funeral, rather things that you're supposed to say. You're every, somebody at every funeral is supposed to say he looks so natural. Of course he's natural. He's not made of plastic. He's just dead. Um, but, you know, sure. so that that was the book. It was cataloging the rules. Uh, and that happened uh, in the very early days when my 20 megabyte hard drive crashed. And there was no backup was just unheard of. It was too expensive. And there was no uh, drive recovery back then. So it, it just went away and I never lost it. I started another book about um, 
uh, Old, Test- Old Testament scholarship, uh, deconstructing the Old Testament, the stories uh, from the culture of the time, and understanding the the creation story from a, a, sign, uh, a scientific standpoint and from a, a, an ancient Israeli cultural standpoint and putting those two things together um, mm. and leaving it to the reader to decide whether the two things matched up or not. Whether you could decide that the creation story was scientifically plausible or not was up to you, but I was going to give you the context and put it all together. That one fizzled. I'm I'm bad about not finishing what I start. It's just it's a it's a personal failing that I have. I started because I'm not interested in fantasy. I wanted to write a fantasy book to see if I could identify the tropes and the things about fantasy that I don't like. Um, and because I didn't like it, I didn't get very far. Uh, <laughs> Go figure on that one. <laughs> I started a podcasting book. Um, a, a book about how to podcast. Yeah, um, it was I remember that the, one. The, yeah, the podcasting handbook. Uh, and and the reason that project died was just because everybody else has done that. The market is now saturated with how to podcast stuff, and I mm-hmm. felt that I didn't have anything unique to contribute. So I just it wasn't. It was a fun thing to do, but in the end, it had no value. Cool. Seth's turn. <laughs> So uh, here's a softball lob for you, Mark. So where would you like to be, say, if if you could map out your future in 10 years, where would you be and why would you be there? Well, my, I have always enjoyed teaching. Uh, that, that That's part of that communication. Uh, I feel that teaching is the ultimate communication in that you have, like I said earlier, you take a thought and you, it, communication is literally mapping your thoughts onto the mind of someone else. So when I think of a small, red, somewhat trapezoidal-shaped fruit uh, with seeds all over it, and I need to convey a word so that you think of the same thing, I go to strawberry. That's not just a word. That is literally a mind mapping. My mind is mapping onto yours. Teaching takes that one step farther. It's imprinting an entirely new concept on you. that You didn't know what a strawberry was. And I taught you not only the word strawberry, but what a strawberry is and what sweet is and what tart is and why um, if there's, there's a little too much white at the top, you shouldn't eat it. Um, and if it's a little too soft, you shouldn't eat it. Um, so teaching, I've, I've really enjoyed that about having kids is is introducing these new concepts. So I, I like teaching. I like communicating. I like entertaining. And five years ago when I got into this podcasting, I decided this was going to be the job that I retired from. I, I will have other jobs to support me until this one can support me, but not necessarily podcasting, but public speaking and entertaining. I want to be traveling city to city on stage, telling a story that both inspires and entertains people that teaches them and, uh, and encourages them. That's what I want to do. So, so 10, 15, 20 years from now, I want to be that guy moving from convention to convention, uh, telling a story and entertaining people. Yeah. Cool. And I often have considered this podcast and others like it part of my resume. What I'm doing now is I'm I as I do a podcast, I'm uh deconstructing the art of podcasting. That's why we've gotten better. You know, not just experience, but each of us has learned from it over the time. And and I'm really uh focused on that and and focused on presenting myself better, but also on moving moving things along and, and conveying things. So uh, a lot of people uh, I've heard say they want to move from podcasting into radio or whatever. I think that's a step down. 
Um, I think podcasting is a much better medium than radio. But what I would like to do is essentially podcast to um, a live audience, not necessarily monologue, but but do you know bring people with me that have interesting stories and tease that out. Uh, I would love to be um, somebody like Ira Glass on the the American Life podcast who gets to this American Life who gets to interview fascinating people. I would like to be um, like Chris Hardwick on the Nerdist podcast and get to spend that. My job would be spending my days with fascinating people talking about interesting subjects. That would be a good, I could see you doing a very good job with that type of a, or very good. You would do a very good job at that type of a job because it always seems to be like you can pull topics and, and thoughts out of people. And I'm guessing that came from your desire to learn back when you were little has anyone else brought up that type of a concept with you before? I'm not sure I understand your question. About okay, well it seems like even when we're, you know, for all the different people we've had on the show, when the conversation lulls, it seems like you can always find a way to resurrect the the conversation or to bring things out. Now, is that just tying into your your need to to entertain? Yeah, or- I think that just comes from being interested in people. Um, in that I truly want to know what makes somebody tick. And so I hope that my audience wants to come along with me. And, you know, I felt this person was important enough to come on the show, so I'm going to let them speak, and I'm going to encourage them to speak. I, I, I really like the, the analogy of winding them up and letting them go. And my job is to wind them up, not to direct them, not to, to, to determine where they go, just to make sure they stay wound up. Um, so sure. it, it really it comes from... Having a sense of what's entertaining, at least I hope I do. Uh, I, I hope I'm an entertaining person and I have a, a sense of what's entertaining. And also just truly being interested in people. Like I said, there's no person so dumb I can't learn from them. Sure. Hmm. I'm trying to think of another question. So what gave rise to the the persona of the Sultan of the soapbox, the guy who likes to rant. Uh, you know, you, you've talked before about different aspects of your personality, but we haven't really touched on that. So what gave birth to the, the bombastic individual who will just let it fly? Kind of a weird question, I guess. Yeah. So that is an awesome one though. Some part of that is shtick. Uh, right over over the time we have developed these personas right and one of them is i am the 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 jerk <laughs> and and that's a role i'm okay with playing because sometimes the most interesting characters is the guy that you're not sure whether you want to kiss or or smack right right and so some of that is just a character building but all also i got to go back a little farther right so i i was you know as i said earlier i grew up i was i had, had everything going against me i was poor i was fat uh, I was uh, a science geek. Uh, there was no reason for anybody to ever care about me in any generic way, right? So all the things that people care about, I didn't have. All the things that that uh, are considered popular, I didn't have. So somewhere along the line, I just said, screw it. I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to do me. And if you love me, awesome. I want you to love me. If you don't love me, well, that's kind of what I expected anyway. So I'm the guy who will say what other people are thinking because I don't have that social uh, stigma of if I say something wrong, they won't like me. I assume when I walk into a room, you already don't like me and and I'm okay with that. 
Uh, so that's that's it, it's born out of that. So there's you know there's kind of two ways you can respond to that. You can either withdraw into yourself and never do anything wrong, or you can just say screw it. If I can't win anyway, I'm going to go for broke. Right. So that's where that you know. And plus, I was born without a filter. That gene that people some people were born with that filter gene that really shouldn't say this gene. I don't have that one. Um. And so you would be amazed at the things I, I have I have I've worked to develop that filter. You'd be amazed at the things I don't say. You think I say things that are acerbic? You, you should you should hear the things I don't say. Um, I've often uh, likened my mind to a dryer, uh, a tumble dryer, clothes dryer with a busted door latch. Every now and then the door flies open and something falls out. You don't know what it's going to be, and there's not a dang thing you can do about it. <laughs> there you go. You know, and that, that's a that's a trait of yours that I really like. The fact that I know no matter what you say is the honest how you feel. Um, it, it's refreshing to see that from people from time to time. It makes me a terrible poker player. <laughs> well, but you but know what I got all the time. Yeah. But that's okay. We're not playing poker right now. Otherwise, I'd take all your money. So... And and people often see me as arrogant. I am so not arrogant. Um, and so many times already in this show, I've I've backed away from what I consider bragging. Arrogance is is somebody who needs you to to recognize them because uh, it validates what they are. I'm not arrogant. I'm just comfortable with who I am. Sure. And and I I consider that truly the 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 essence of humility. You know. Um, uh, insecurity is fearing what you're not humility is knowing what you are and i know what i am good and bad i know what i am and i'm okay with it and it's up to you to decide whether you're okay with it it's not my job to be okay with it for you the truth (laughs) cool good job uh all right chris back to you yeah yeah i was enjoying that question too much to think of another question so (laughs) Um, but that was a really good one, Seth. Uh, let's see. What is on the future plate for you? Are you? Have you thought of a new thing to become an expert in? Uh, not yet. I really, I, I have stumbled backwards and off balance into every good thing in my life. I don't, as much as I like to plan, as much as I spreadsheet things, the the big things in my life have always happened to me when I totally wasn't expecting it. And so I don't know what the next thing's going to be. I'm not going to be expecting it. Um, hmm. It's gonna it's gonna hit me out of the blue. I I married a woman that I had no idea was interested in me. I I didn't know. She had to tell me, "Hey, I kind of like you." Oh, really? I didn't I didn't have a clue. <laughs> um, you know, I've I've gotten jobs where people have literally offered me jobs and I didn't get that they were offering me a job. No, I want you to come and work for me. What? When did you say that? Like five minutes ago when I said, will you come work for me? Oh, you said that? Um, I, because I, I don't know why that is. I'm not a, I'm not dumb. I'm just focused often on the wrong thing. So, um, I don't know what it's going to be. What, what I hope it will be, to be honest, is I hope that, uh, that I can quit working my day job and start doing what I want to do for the rest of my life. But, you know, I, that's going to happen when it happens and I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, I don't have a next project that I'm working on. I've got enough projects right now. My, my focus in my life in general is being a good dad and a good husband and a good follower of my God. Yeah. Um, so th- those are the things that I work on every day. Cool. Good things to be All working right, so for anyway. 
Yeah. We've been, uh, the show's past the hour mark. Yes, it is. Mark. So as we wrap this up, take about 90 seconds. And what's that one thing about Mark that we didn't know the question to ask that you really wish people knew about you? Well, before I go there, there was something I said earlier that I wanted to get out and, and I didn't do that. So even though I told you that I was going to let you run the show, I'm running it now. Um, no, I uh, asked the question. You will answer. <laughs> I, I have been, uh, open for a while about my, the fact that I, I don't, I have been fat and I don't want to be fat anymore. Um, and some, some several months ago, well, actually years ago, the process began, but probably in December of last year, I really got serious about it. And about four months ago, I, I, I you know, it was, I hit the next level, the next power band. Um, this last week, Friday, uh, morning, I stepped on the scale. I don't, I don't watch the scale at all. I, I, that's poison. Stepping on the scale on a regular basis and seeing change or not seeing change is poison. Do your thing. Live your life. Find a way that, that works for you. Uh, if you're seeing your belt get smaller, great. Uh, if, if you're not, figure out something else. So I haven't stepped on a scale in a while, uh, but Friday morning I did, and I am now 100 pounds lighter than I have been when I was heaviest in my life. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. I still have a long way to go, but uh, the the heaviest weight that I ever clocked in on a scale was 505 pounds, and Friday morning I was 403 pounds. So I've lost 102 pounds um, over the course of several years. It hasn't been dramatic. It hasn't been immediate, but it's been a series of life changes that are leading me in that right direction. Uh, So my next goal is 300. Um, So that's... That's where I'm heading. But I wanted to get that. You know, that's why I said I wasn't doing granola bars. I was doing nut uh, bars. I, um, March, maybe somewhere around there, I was watching a, a, a Netflix documentary because I'm me and I watch Netflix documentaries. <laughs> and this one was called The Perfect Human Diet. And it was all about the paleo diet. Um, and I'm, I've, I've been familiar with the paleo. The paleo diet is essentially what a caveman would eat. If you can club it over the head and stick it on a fire, you can eat it. If you can pull it off a tree and eat it, you can eat it. But if it takes processing, if it takes agriculture, it's off limits. The idea essentially is um, no carbs. You know, we just call it paleo. So I was f- familiar with that. I knew it. And this this particular documentary, it's not that it was, it was um, impressive on me in any way or it made the change. But afterward, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was home alone. I was watching it. And it was lunchtime. So afterwards, I said, okay. Let's say I decide I want to do this. What can I eat? And I opened my pantry. There was nothing there I could eat. It was crackers and wheat and and uh, granola um, and pasta. There was nothing there. So I went to my fridge. What's there? Uh, there's cake and there's pasta and there's, you know, uh, there's nothing there. I, I literally could not eat that day if I decided I was not going to eat any carbs. And that had a profound impact on me. I realized, I don't know if this is going to change my life. I don't know if it's going to work, but I know that what I'm doing isn't working. And having a diet that consists almost 100% of carbs isn't working, right? If you eat chicken and rice, it's mostly rice with some chicken, right? You eat uh, spaghetti and meatballs. It's right in the name there, mostly spaghetti and meatballs. And you, you do the research on your own, and you'll see that there's no difference between a bowl of sugar and a bowl of pasta. So yep. you can count your calories, and I had been counting calories, and I had been losing weight by counting calories. Restricting myself to 2,500 calories or less a day was working. But I decided this, I would try this new thing, and um, 
over time, because I'm not one who can make large shifts, I started slowly phasing things out, substituting things. And now I'm at a point where I eat, on average, uh, 100 grams or less of carbs a day. Uh, my next goal is to move that down to about 75. I give myself Sundays. Uh, I get one carb day to eat what I want. But what I found is because I eat one way every six days, I mean all six days, on the seventh day, I'm not all that interested in the pasta and the rice and the the crackers. Um, I still indulge in it. You know, I have donuts with my kids on Sunday mornings, but it's not something that I, you know, I crave that I'm, that I'm interested in all that much because I've changed everything else. So that's the next thing that has moved me on. I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying that for me, that was the turning point where I suddenly started seeing a dramatic shift, um, in the way I look, in the way I feel. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to say carbs are toxic, but for me in my life, they don't work. So I'm getting rid of them. So that that's what I wanted to say uh, uh, earlier. Um, you beat me to it, Mark. I was going to ask you about the granola, the bars. Yeah, you were you're two, ten seconds too fast. See how you are? <laughs> God darn you! Uh, but anyway, I you know I'll say the same thing, Mark. Um, I did the same. I don't want to say a, a real is a yeah. It was a realization um, for me, and I'm not a paleo only guy, but I'm very close, and I notice a huge difference in the way I feel. I haven't lost much weight, but it's the way I feel every morning. Yeah, and most people think it's perfectly normal to go through life gassy and bloated and burping and farting and and you know and having diarrhea every three days. We we really think that's a normal life. It's not. <laughs> it's not when you exactly. when you when, when you clean up the way you eat and you eat you know spinach and and chicken instead of uh, spaghetti and uh, garlic bread. Those things go away, or at least for me, they did. And I can track it to, you know, on Sundays when I uh, allow myself the, the uh, privilege of, of cheating, I pay for it on Mondays. And I can track it in my particular case. Corn doesn't do well for me. Um, but I used to eat corn all the time, tortilla chips and, and, and corn chips and, and, you know, corn was a big part of my life. Corn cereals, uh, corn granola bars, what, what, you know, but now I, I have learned. Because most people, I can't, I can't say that. I was not paying attention. I was just shoving food in my throat. Mm-hmm. Now that I've started paying attention, I can see, oh, that, that doesn't work for me. I shouldn't do that. That is good. So, um, anyway, that, so that, that's what I want to say about that. Now, to go back to Seth's question, the question I always ask everybody else, if you, if you never listen to anything else and you only hear this last 90 seconds, what do you want to say? I've been dreading that question because I knew you were going to ask it because I always ask everybody else. <laughs> um, and the, the only thing I know to say, the, the thing that sums me up, figure out what you believe in. It doesn't have to be the same thing I believe in, but because I believe in it, I think I'm right, right? But <laughs> figure out what you believe in Pursue it with all you've got and don't care whether or not other people agree with you because agreement never brings fulfillment. Living your life trying to make people agree with you will never bring fulfillment. Living your life pursuing that thing which you want to want more than anything else will bring fulfillment. So find something that you're willing to suffer for. That's what the, the word passion, and we use the Latin word passio means suffering. A passion is that which, for which you would suffer. Find the thing that you are willing to suffer for and pursue it no matter what. And I don't know that you're going to be successful, but I do know that you're going to be happier. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Way to bring it home there, Mark. You knocked it out of the park. 
<laughs> All right, so we do have to do at least one news story so that I can transition into the last ad, even though we're at a, the hour and a half mark. So, um, Seth, take it away on this demand for Linux skills. All right, um, this is uh, found this article on The Verge, and it comes from Dash um, <laughs> from Dice, but um, this is just talking about how cloud computing has exploded it used to just be kind of a new technology and it has become a tool of business a necessity if you lose your internet access you can't do anything because everything is stored on the servers that aren't in your um, environment or they're in your data center somewhere and so because everything is moved over the internet people who can make sure the internet goes and develop those technologies and continue to grow them are going to be in demand. Um, the term is cloud architect. And um, just for example, one of the things puppet technologies, which is kind of um, automation in Linux, um, the number of job postings for puppet professionals, 63% spike from May 14 to May 15. The average uh, salary is over 170000 a year. It increased over 8%. Um, pure Ruby configuration, over 160000 Now, I'm not saying if you take one class, you will command these salaries, but if you want a good living in technology and you're just getting started out, uh, this might be something to look at because the cloud's not going away. It might change, is, but yeah. Which is when I tell you that our friends over at the Linux Academy not only teach you Linux, but also teach you cloud architecture, including Amazon Web Services and Ruby, this thing that was just mentioned. It's a one-stop because they, they have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in the technology world. They recognize that, yes, we need Linux skills, but we also need uh, uh, web architecture skills. So LinuxAcademy.com is where you can go to get those skills for as little as much as $25 a month. That's actually the most you can pay. So for that $25, you get their step-by-step -step video courses, you get their PDF study guides, you get their amazing lab infrastructure where you can have up to four different machines communicating with one another in real time, live uh, in a, a protected environment so you can blow stuff up and not hurt anybody. You get the 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 lesson browser that keeps track of what you've done. you got your own... Um, personalized uh, syllabus where you can tell them I have three hours a week every third uh, week and I want to study these things and they will break it up and tell you what you get all of that for 25 bucks a month and you it's just worth it if you have ever believed anything I've ever said believe this linuxacademy.com is high quality content at the price of low quality content Plain and simple. Um, and, and that $25 is actually the, the high end. If you want to buy more, just like anything else, the more you buy, the less you pay. If you buy three months at a time, you only pay $65. So you got a $10 discount right off the bat there. If you buy for a year, it's $215 annually, which breaks down to less than $18 a month, eight, or just over $18. $18 a month to change your life. Um, I, I mean, I know I, I kind of sound like Sally Struthers doing an ad for UNICEF here, but <laughs> $18 a month to change your life. How can you afford not to do that? Try to go to college for $18 a month. Yeah, you won't have to work four jobs to do the Linux Academy. Now, that's it's not going to give you, like Seth said, all the skills that you will need, but my gosh, is it a great start. LinuxAcademy.com, we are proud to, to, uh, to advertise for them. We are proud to have introduced you to them 
years ago. We are proud of the growth that they've done, and we're proud of the partnership that we have with them. And if you go to uh, linuxacademy.com slash everydaylinux, you even get a special price over the insanely cheap $25 a month that I already told you about. But you have to go there and use our our code in order to see that. That's it's true. It's not listed anywhere else. So there um, you go, man. I had some awesome. I just got to tell everybody, I had some awesome titles I came up with for all the news <laughs> that is on the cutting room floor. But um, way to go. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to that um, later. I mean, it's we're we're approaching an hour and a half show right now. But more than that, the the game started twenty minutes ago. Right. And, uh, <gasps> I need to get up there. Um, so uh, I hope that that you have enjoyed this show but if you didn't don't worry there won't be another one like it this was the 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 rounding out of the all about episodes uh so we uh let me know what you think elementopi.com is where you can go to to uh, use the contact us button at the top of the page yes i know the website is old and dated yes i know it needs to be rebuilt you can stop sending me those comments i already know i just it's not i don't have a round to it yet somebody needs to get me around to it and i'll do it um <laughs> elementopi.com click the contact us button send an email to edl at elementopi.com call 559-IAMOPI and leave us a voicemail we love hearing from you good, bad, or indifferent Uh, well actually indifferent ones are kind of boring good, bad, or (laughs) or ugly whatever let us know what you think Um, if you have further questions follow up questions about any one of us um, you're you're welcome to ask those and we may or or may not answer them if you have suggestions about the show if you have actual Linux questions uh, we'll do our best to answer those but thank you for hanging out with us Chris Seth thank you for uh, for being the 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 interviewers tonight and for asking me such probing questions you guys did a great job and um, well thank you that's what we're here for to do a great job (laughs) I will say that that ends this episode of Everyday Linux